Hello, and welcome to Mediocre Conversations with Tom and Drew. I'm Tom. And I'm Drew, and this is the only podcast where we can guarantee the only thing you'll hear is mediocrity. That's right. We're starting out pretty subdued today. I'm just trying to follow your vibe, man. Oh, uh, all right. All right. All right. So. Okay. Uh, chronologically, we just had Savage on. That's correct. And that was great. The return of Master Savage returns, I believe, is the way that we. Yeah. That's how we worded it. Yeah. So hopefully that'll confuse onlookers enough to click on it as many times as they did the other one. If you can't provide a product that's quality enough to attract people to click on it, you have to trick them. Yeah. And that's where we stand now. That's, that's, uh, that's my life. Yeah. So. All right. We're back on Ahsoka, although that's what we were on last time too. We're going farther back with Ahsoka. Yeah. So we are, what we've decided to do is kind of fill in the blanks of who this character is leading up to the Ahsoka television series, but not so far back that we have to watch the entirety of the Clone Wars television show because it's seven seasons long. It's seven seasons. So we decided to start in the middle of season seven. Yeah. So, um, Clone War, the Clone Wars show is really five seasons long. Okay. And then they had some storyboard material and the show got canceled, I think. And they took the storyboard material and they came out with like 12 episodes that were called like the lost files or the like lost missions or something like that. And that was facto season six. And then we got, okay, we're going to wrap up the show. And they came out with a season seven and we got introduced to the Bad Batch and this little arc that we're going to talk about with Ahsoka that's going to lead us right into the events of episode three, Revenge of the Sith. So, and then we'll talk, we'll eventually get into her and the Rebels television show. Yeah. And then we'll have caught up to her in her own self-titled series. So Live action. Live action. Yeah. You're now, the detail man. That's <laughs> Well, you're the detail man. Yeah. <laughs> uh, so we started uh, on episode nine, and it starts with Anakin in some battle, and he gets a phone call from Ahsoka, right? <laughs> Essentially. Hang on, I'm gonna make me. <laughs> Yeah, so he's you know they're fighting the Clone Wars, so to speak. Yeah, yeah, we're between we're between episodes two and three at this juncture, right? Yes. So the entirety of the Clone well, Wars show takes place in that in that window. It's actually happening like alongside it, right? Well, right. So there's episode two, Attack of the Clones. That's when Geonosis happens. We get introduced to the clone troopers. We see yeah. a flashback of it and to it in the in the world between worlds, you know, in the Ahsoka show. And then the whole show runs its course. And then episode three starts. And these last three or four episodes that they have in season seven of the Clone Wars share the timeline. Yeah, because there's there's mention of in one of these episodes um anakin 
being tasked with monitoring yeah. uh, Palpatine, Emperor Palpatine. Indeed. So does the whole entirety of Clone Wars take place after episode two or between two and three? Yeah. So the episode oh, okay. two happens. All seven seasons of the Clone Wars television show take place in the two year window between episode two and three. Okay. The films. So they jam pack a bunch of that content in there. And then this last little arc shares about half of the episode, um, episode three. Okay. Uh, so we get like allusions to like, oh, like Obi-Wan's off on Utapau looking for General Grievous, or we will. Yeah, like, yeah. That, and they, they talk details. about um what's his name? Dooku a little bit. Yep. You know, and then it's it's fun for us because we've watched the, the movie and it's like right, oh, I remember when Anakin beheaded Dooku on the flagship. That yeah. <laughs> yeah. Warm feelings. Yeah, yeah. Ah, familiarity. Yep. Beheadings. Yeah. It's interesting too when they refer to like something kind of dark like that in a cartoon. Like those of us that know are kind of like, oh. Now we haven't watched the Clone Wars, so you haven't you haven't seen how they brought back Darth Maul, right? No, I know he's back, but right. when when they brought back Darth Maul, I was a straight up adult in my late 30s. <laughs> yeah. And I thought, Jesus Christ, this is dark. <laughs> like this is I, I literally thought like this is the stuff of nightmares yeah we, so, have a, we have a mutual friend and he was like hey my kids are nine and seven or whatever they are i'm thinking about letting them watch the clone wars clone wars like what do you guys think and i was i immediately wrote back like it is too intense for a nine and seven year old <laughs> and he was like so this guy will not let his kids watch the minion movies yeah <laughs> but allowed them to watch the clone wars he went ahead and did not heed your warning and, and just went i after. was not heated i was not <laughs> heated whatsoever and like i have no problem to our in our friend group yeah who all have a field from above average familiarity with star wars yeah no one can come close to me <laughs> when right. it comes to the most knowledgeable person about star wars in the group that's true and then he was like, nah, I'm just going to keep my own parenting advice when it comes to my kids on this particular show. <laughs> Have at it. Have at it. Yeah. I so how that. do they bring him back? Because I'm not going to watch it. So All I know is he's back. So Darth, uh, Darth Maul is Death Amiri, right? Like he, uh -huh. he is what's known as a knight brother. And uh, Sidious went to the witches uh, to get an apprentice, I think I'm I'm a little hazy on these details. After I just got done saying that I was the most knowledgeable person <laughs> in the friend group, and was basically like, "Hey, I need an apprentice." Yeah, and they got this prepackaged kid, um, ripped his shit, gave gave him a Sidious. Sidious trains him up in the ways of the dark side. <clears throat> we see them all get killed. And then uh, and we don't think anything of it, right? Because who lives being cut in half, thrown down an endless shaft? Yeah, just two people I know. Right. So <clears throat> in the Clone Wars television show, 
we see Maul's biological brother. His name is Savage. Paul? Oh. Opress. Darth hate Paul would have been better, but yeah, hate the hate the name. Savage. Opress. Okay, a little on yep. the nose. Yes, it was because Dooku is looking for another apprentice after getting rid of Asajj Ventress. So the witches use their magics and like buff up this dude. And he's just an ogre. He's like seven and a half feet tall, enormous, just brimming with anger. The perfect Sith apprentice. Give over to Dooku. He gets trained up. <clears throat> and then Savage goes on like a quest to find his brother. And he finds him. And um, you've played D&D, right? Do you know what a drider is? No. A drider is a dark elf that has the the torso and head of an elf and the body oh, of a spider. Good God. That's nightmare fuel. That is what Darth Maul was when he came back, except that the spider body was made out of metal and machines. And he found him on this junk planet, and he is completely insane. He was didn't make any sense no understanding of who he was. Savage gets him, takes him back to the Night Sisters. More magics. They give him the robotic legs. Cure his insanity for as much as you can, or whatever. Get him back on the on the straight and narrow. But like, he's laughing like he's insane. He's like walking around and like hiding in shadows and like subsisting on like. My God, he looks terrifying. Trash. Yeah, and so my so when my our buddy was like, "Hey, should I let my kids watch the show?" and I was like, "This is exactly what I thought." <laughs> like, no, yeah. you should. They'll have nightmares forever <laughs> because this is straight up nightmare fuel. Because they turn Maul into a drider. Yeah, and <clears throat> eventually, I mean, they fix him pretty quick with magic. You know, so like, oh sure, is he magical? Whatever. I mean, his bottom half is. I mean, like. He's force sensitive, obviously, right? So the night, the night sisters, whenever they use their the force, they call it their magics. Yeah. So and they use that on him to create the current version of Darth Maul that we see in these episodes and at the end of Rogue One, in the hologram projection to Kira, played by Khaleesi. So. Oh sure. <laughs> um, Emily Clark. Yeah, Amelia Clark. So, Amelia Clark. Uh, yeah, so that's but that's how he came back. It's just all of a sudden, like his upper half was still alive and got printed on this dry mechanical drider body. No other explanation. I like to like, think that neat. someone else found just his legs and put that on something on a spider uh, head. Yeah, it's just like those, a gaunt droid running around with like real human somewhere, legs. Somewhere there's a Darth Maul's legs. With a uh, metal spider head and torso on top of it, just running around. It sounds equally terrifying, as far as I know. <laughs> yeah, like a kid got popped the head off of one doll and put them both together. Yeah, some real Andy's backyard shit from. Yeah. <laughs> or no, not Andy. Um, what I don't know what the kid's the, name is. The other kid's name. The next door neighbor or whatever. Yeah, Spike or. <laughs> gotta be something right yeah it's gotta be something like short and brutal maybe like julian something like that uh 
It is Sid. Sid. There it is. Sid Phillips. Okay. It was a wrestler. <laughs> Sydney. Oh, okay. Was his birth name. Different guy. Um so we have so so but we learn over the course of these two episodes that Darth Maul knows a lot about what's going on. Yeah. Now uh how how does he know all this? Is that so like how did he um, be, he's aware of Sidious? Right, because we're, he was. We're skipping. I'm skipping for, to the end here a bit, yeah. talking about Maul. But like, he's basically like, "Hey, Sidious is terrible. This is what's going on. We need to stop him." How did he come by this information, and why is and why is he wanting to stop Sidious? He's not wanting to stop Sidious because let's. Oh, let's so he be, was lying. Let's be real clear about this. Like, it's not about stopping Darth Sidious. It's about surviving Darth Sidious. Okay. So like that the whole sense. the whole show is premised like this whole little arc is is basically um propped up on the idea that like Maul leaked his location to the Mandalorians hoping that they would bring Anakin and Obi-Wan to Mandalore to to like catch him. And then yeah. when they showed up, he would kill them both. He would kill Obi-Wan out of revenge for cutting him in half. And he would kill Anakin to deny Sidious his new prized pupil. What he got was Ahsoka Tano, which was the worst thing that he could have ha- actually hoped for, because turns out she's really, really good at the job. <laughs> so how does he put the information together? There's two there's two things at play here. There's his knowledge of how Sidious operates. And there's the fact that he runs the most extensive criminal underground network in the galaxy. Outside of maybe the huts. Well, I think maybe the huts work for him. But it's called uh, the Syndicate, I think. It's a great um, name. Yeah. And he, like, when he gets fixed, he and his brother go on this rampage where they try and carve out some kind of power base for themselves. Because what do you do when your Sith Lord boss kicks you out of the inner circle? Okay, well, they became gangsters. So they went around to all Gotta use your other... skill set somehow, you know? Yeah. So perfectly. A Sith Lord doesn't translate to very many things. Right. Politician. Like office work or whatever. Yeah, politician and gangster are the, probably the two most lucrative. Yeah, they're right at the top of the list. Yeah. And they're both very similar. Am yes. I right? <laughs> <laughs> so they basically go around to all these like smaller like criminal enterprises and like either intimidate or kill their way to the top sure then force them all to work together in some respect and then he plunks his ass down on mandalore and runs the planet through the this group of mandalorians that are loyal he had to take it away from somebody right so um bo-katan's sister satine who was quote-unquote the great love of obi-wan kenobi and is dead thank god um that's brought up in this episode in episode it nine, is. anyway yeah i have i have things to talk about that excellent i'm glad she's dead <laughs> so the she led a bunch of pacifist mandalorians yeah and uh changed their society basically 
And then this group called Death Watch, which is where we are first introduced to Bo-Katan, want to take it back and restore the quote-unquote old ways. Well, to take the Mandalorians and take over and then make them a pacifist society is basically like going to a group of Christians and being like, everybody, we are all atheists now. Yeah, it's 100%. Analysis. You understand? That's yeah. that is what we are now. Okay. Yep. It's crazy. That's why I hated it. <laughs> yeah. Because it seems so unbelievably unlikely. You know, and by this time in the storytelling, this was in the middle of the Clone Wars television show, so like 10 years ago. Yeah. It's still like, all right, everybody, we've done the comics, you know, we've done the video games. You know, we've built up this culture to be this particular thing, and you're just going to snap your fingers and change it. Now, I don't like it. Well, that's I mean, way, it caused conflict, it right? Yes, it is. It certainly did. Mission that's accomplished. Yeah. Yeah. So, Satine has got the. Um, she's like, not only are they pacifists, but she leads a coalition of like Switzerland's that want to stay neutral in the Clone Wars. And so the Republic and the Separatists are vying to get the this chunk of systems on their side. So, of course, Obi-Wan gets dispatched or whatever, and this group called Death Watch is trying to kick out the pacifists and take over the planet. And they're run by this guy. I believe his name is Paz Vizsla. And Bo-Katan is his lieutenant. And uh, eventually, with Maul's help, they lead an uprising and kick out the pacifists and then maul the first thing maul does is challenge the dude for leadership of the group and of course kicks his ass and kills him as we is the dude that gives his life at the end of uh mandalorians for no reason uh is it the same first name too yeah paz visla then i've got the other guy's name first name wrong same last name they're Vislas. Jim Visla. Yeah, there it is. So Bob Visla, like Bob Vila. Bob yeah, Visla. Excellent go. name references. So Maul challenges uh, Humble Carpenter. Elder Visla and uh takes over the Death Watch. Bo Katan won't have any of it. Splits the group. Now we've got good Death Watch and bad Death Watch. Like you do. Exactly. And then Maul sits his ass down and runs his criminal empire for Mandalore because they're quote unquote pacifist now or whatever. Yeah. And he's got this perfect little duck blind that he can use to run his, his nefarious deeds through. So he's, he's set up shop in Mandalore. Yeah. So not only does he have this galaxy spanning criminal network feeding him information, he also knows his old boss. And I get like I certainly got watching the episodes that it's just like, oh, he he can see how the pieces are getting moved behind the scenes and no one else can. Okay. And so he's piecing together the actual plan that Sidious has put into place for like the last 10 years and is kind of figuring it out as it's happening. And then as shit happens in real time, he's like, oh, it was this. No way, dude. <laughs> Sure. So 
So he's actually kind of smart then. He okay. So the best thing that they one of the best things that Star Wars has done since Lucas bought sold it out to Disney is they took Maul, who we really had only seen as this like fighter, super fighty, scary guy. Yeah. And they turned him into like a diabolical criminal underworld like genius. The yeah. dude's like legit fun to watch. Like <laughs> he's even better in Rebels. Like <clears throat> so Okay, so he's not gonna die. No. In this okay. Oh good. I was thought I because I, I was waiting. I know that, that it's a fight scene that you like, so I was waiting for it to happen. You want you're talking about the one with him and Ahsoka? Yeah. As far as I'm concerned, and I know it's animated, that's the second best duel in Star Wars history. The one that we've seen so far, or the one that I haven't seen yet? Um, what happens at the end of the one you're referencing right now? He They fight, and he gets away on a ship. I think he does. He, or maybe he falls. He falls. Yeah, he the, falls. The, and she catches him, and then they... And he's yeah, like, and he gets arrested. No, we have to go. He's going to kill us all. You don't understand what you're <laughs> he, doing. Yeah. yeah, that's the second best duel in Star Wars. Okay, history. it was really good. Okay, so it's, that was uh, it. it's way up there for me. Yeah, yeah, it was a good one. Um, <clears throat> so then in this one here, now first of all, so Bo-Katan shows up, she's in mm-hmm. it and everything, and I thought it was interesting how, um, I'm probably having a reverse of what a lot of people had that watched this in chronological or in release order. Where when you saw Mandalorian or whatever, and you're like, oh, sweet, Bo-Katan, look. And I saw her first there. And so I'm like, ah, oh, cool. Here she is. Good good job. But it's just like the reverse of all the other people. Do you think that it's different? Because you've, you, you've seen the live action and you saw her first in all of these. Um, do you think that it's her character feels different going from... Um, the cartoon here to the live action or do you think i kind of see where she ended up and now i'm seeing where she started Mm -hmm. well to be fair i think that that is that that experience where they ended up and where how they got started like andor is a good example of that Mm -hmm. (laughs) you know like what happens to these characters well do you watch rogue one yeah yeah yeah. oh well that's what happened to them (laughs) you watch andor oh neat so that's yeah. you're gonna see how they got there yeah that yeah. seems to be how like the quintessential way they want to tell these stories yeah <clears throat> is it different yeah it's a little different than my experience mm-hmm. is it so materially different that it changes your opinion of the of the character like yeah figuring out who who this person is that might be the thing i struggle with the most when i talk to other people now about star wars is if you don't figure out the order in which they watch this stuff, mm. it changes the pers- perspective on how were you introduced to this character? What do you think of this character initially? Like, can yeah. you overcome the first impression? You know, that type of thing. So yeah, I don't know that I can answer that. All I know is that <clears throat> I've enjoyed the character throughout. Sure. And so... Now... I haven't seen all of Bo-Katan's appearances, just a small amount. All of the live action one, obviously. Do you think that I'm missing out or that people that see things the way that I am in the order that I am currently watching them, 
are missing out on any sort of revelation because it's a lot different. I think when you're um, recording a cartoon, when you're just doing voiceover, like you're able to add some, you're able to add some uh, personality and character nuance to it, but I don't think you're able to as much as a live action. Oh no. Yeah. Right. Obviously. Clear. Yeah. Very much so. Um, when she, when we first got introduced to the character, she was kind of this, like, I thought like nefarious lackey that was like, yeah, I'm on board with doing whatever this terrorist organization says. Let's go. Interesting. And like, I think that she's like, um, I don't want to say being rebranded, but like certainly like matured into being a responsible leader. Yeah. Since her, let's call it introduction to the star Wars storyline. But the the important thing in that is that I think that it's an, an more important that people understand that now she's an, a mature leader. Yeah. And if you got that by watching live action, live action stuff, fine. And if you had to come to that, starting off with her being like a member of a terrorist organization, <laughs> you still end up in the same place. Sure, sure. So I don't think that there's a material difference. Uh, so on here also, this is where Obi-Wan mentions um, Satine a bit or references her. Yeah. Now, you've mentioned before that Obi-Wan is the perfect Jedi. Was, yep was was right until this love interest occurred right until they introduced this bitch of a character yeah okay so up until your only basis for that though is because he didn't have attachment he was above attachment and like that that i mean that seems to be the linchpin here if you had to design a textbook jedi knight Yes. Obi-Wan Kenobi was that. Now, I argue that I think that this makes him even more of a Jedi because there's a part in here. There's a there's a not more of but a but because of the reasons you don't think he is, I think he is. I understand. In that there's a part in here where Satine is mentioned, right? Mm-hmm. And he's basically like, uh, no, we can't think about that. We have to do the right thing because it's the right thing, not because she's my friend, is essentially what he says. Mm-hmm. Doesn't that make him even more of a textbook Jedi Knight? Because he's like, Yeah, I have these, I have these feelings, but they will not affect my ability to make a decision beyond myself. So um he because of his experiences with Satine, like he's able to come to that understanding later in his life when he's mentoring Anakin. The problem that I have with Satine dates back to the actual Clone Wars show where she's introduced. And the line that gets me to my opinion is he says to her, if you had asked me, I would have left the Jedi Order. Sure. And I'm thinking. 
I hate everything about that. <laughs> There's nothing about that that I respect or like. Because even though, and like, what happened, like, their circumstances politically is what kept them apart from that eventuality taking place where he actually leaves the order. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> and then they don't see each other for a long time and then they get reintroduced in the show. And then she dies, right? Yeah. So at the time that he's quoting this this line that you just read, mm-hmm. he's gone and lived through her death. I see. And come out the other side. And there's no chance for them to now be together, obviously. So, so it's easier for him to make a proclamation that he doesn't have to pay correct. for Correct. So, yeah, because there's there's no chance that it can be a reality. My entirety, my, the entirety of my opinion is based off of the fact that like Obi-Wan Kenobi could have been, was relied upon to be the example by which a viewer of the Jedi order could say, listen, they're, they all have flaws because they're people, but this is as good as you can get. Mm -hmm. He was, he was the, textbook poster child for it this is what it was like to this is what you could be if you could be a jedi knight and there's nothing wrong with this yeah but what we have to do now in storytelling apparently is if someone's good they can't be all good they have to at some point have failed or at some point have not been the thing that they are good when you were introduced to them like we have to we have to on some level be able to connect to them. And if they're too perfect, they we can't relate. Right. Oh, did you just buy a, a beautiful new pair of shoes? Let's scuff them up a bit so that they're a little bit easier for everyone else to, to like, manage. Yeah. What about all those people with scuffed shoes? Now they can't. Now right. they can't. Now they're upset to because you. you don't yeah. have scuffs on your shoes. Sort of like. Um, I think that's why. Uh, um, I'm going to, I don't feel the way that you feel, obviously, I, understand I, that. I, I try and defend it every chance I can get, but it's sort of like why Superman, not really a superhero that I care for. Sure. Just be like, he has his kryptonite, right? Mm-hmm. He has this, this element that is not found anywhere here until it's brought here by him. Right. Right. <laughs> like that's the only thing. But like someone who is basically impervious to everything, except I guess emotional connection, right? Like that's, that's his mother or, you know, there's, so there's kryptonite and then his relationships were his only, right. But in the comic, it's not, mm-hmm. or, you, you know, I, and so I just couldn't relate. Cause it's just like, Oh, nothing. He, he's quicker than everything. He can't He's shot at. He just needs, he's just a solar powered alien. Right. Mm-hmm. Same sort of thing. There's no flaws. There's no anything. He's just like, hello, I'm with the Daily Planet. Same sort of deal. So I I understand needing something to connect. But then wouldn't Yoda be a textbook? Would you say Yoda has he? I mean, we don't know anything about Yoda. Yeah. Other than, I mean. We don't know the name of his race. We don't really know what he was doing outside the other, you know, previous 800 years 
of his life, yeah. 850 years basically of his life. We knew we were introduced to Yoda at the end of his life and have been given snippets of like how he's leading the council. Yeah. During the prequel trilogy. And you get a couple little things every once in a while. Like he came back in the sequel trilogy and talked to Luke and that was fun. But like, and it's like, I don't have any problem with Yoda. Mm -hmm. Is he the textbook definition of what a Jedi Knight is? I don't think so. Like he's nine of them. You know? And like, yeah, there's a separation when like, you don't know who he is really. Sure. Sure. So the thing that we like so much about Obi-Wan is we had all of this archival knowledge of him and throughout all up until well the book also made it seem one of the books made it seem like he had a relationship in there at some point um a a ya book i think that was written about i don't know if that's canon so that's another that's another one of my problems with i am fine with star wars doing the following you make a movie like rogue one yeah it's a good story stands all by itself you want to make a television show like andor and like get some of the details leading up to that okay cool but if you're going to in andor drop a drop for the sake of dropping yeah a detail that fundamentally changes the experience of rogue one why are you doing that yeah and those details about Obi-Wan and both of those two sources, the sit the Satine inclusion in his past, yeah, and this young adventure, this young adult novel, which basically through like one paragraph, yeah, had him anything. contemplating like, oh, boys and girls, they're supposed to go together, like in order for like romance and sexuality and stuff. Mm-hmm. And he was having a conversation with a member of the same sex who kind of flirted with him a little bit. Sure. And basically like he blushed Mm -hmm. about it and was like, Oh, the line was, you can come and talk to me about this stuff. Anytime you have questions, Obi. Yeah. And so then people were like, Oh, like Netflix and chill talk about it. Sure. Sure. And so like, I am of the opinion that the author put that inference in there. Like you decide what they meant kind of a situation. Right. Right. So right. that they could include it, not offend, but then also include it in a way that lets everybody else feel like it was included for their particular set of sexual preferences. Sure. Which I continue to fight against the fact that like star Wars requires sexual sexualized references romance and relationships when it comes to a romantic setting because unless it's an absolutely integral part of the storytelling process yeah you don't need it in star wars yeah right like are you just are you just trying to gather every niche bit of of interest and that's pandering yeah sure and i don't need star star wars does not it does not need to pander if you are starting a brand new story that's never been written, it's not based off a book, we're not basing it off a comic, and you want to get people's attention, have a gratuitous sex scene <laughs> in the first 10 minutes of the show. That'll get people to watch. Yeah. You want to yeah. have just unbelievably violent content? Sure, people love that. But that's not what Star Wars is. Yeah. 
And so <clears throat> Star Wars is now has been on itself like coming up on 45 years. It doesn't need those things in order to keep the brand going. Right. All right. you need to have the brand go out is just put the fucking Star Wars brand on <laughs> the book, the comic, the movie. Yeah. And people will turn out by in the hundreds of millions. Don't fuck with it. established characters too much. Right. Just and flesh so, them out. Yeah. And that's my that's my situation. So like if you want to introduce a character mm-hmm. where their sexuality is important to how they are dealing with their particular situation, do that. Yeah. But have it be that character's struggle. Right. Don't just drop it into the backstory of a character that's been around for 40 plus years so that you can pander to whomever. Yeah. Okay. I believe in diversity, equity, and inclusion. That's I'm <laughs> fine with it. I I'm promote right. it. I'm an ally for it. Yeah. <clears throat> when it comes to storytelling, if you want those elements to be present, don't just drop them as a uh, like footnote yeah in a character's in a character's story they've been around for 45 years build a new story on it we have gay and lesbian characters in star wars dr afra is a very popular comic book character Mm -hmm. doesn't matter we had i was shocked when i saw the same sex kiss at the end of episode nine yeah and but i don't it doesn't bother me i was just amazed that they included it right so fine, that's in there. But those two characters that kiss at the end of episode nine, you don't even know their fucking names in the movie. Isn't that the goal, though? <laughs> I mean, speaking as a, a what would we call a cis a cis white male, I don't oh, yeah. have. I don't, I'm not fighting for representation. Um, no, in anything, like isn't that the whole thing? Is like it's just a normalized part of the world, and like that's yes. it, and then we go on. Right. And so that's why when it came to that scene in particular, I was like, fine, we're not just fighting for a a particular demographic's freedom here. Right. We're fighting for freedom. End of sentence. (laughs) Right. It's It's the right of everything that's alive. Yeah. So I don't care if the, if my co-pilot is a woman and she goes home at night and kisses women yeah. I could give a shit about that so long as she's launching that harpoon at the AT-AT's feet, <laughs> you know, on time. Right. Because <clears throat> that's, that's my life, too. You know, when yeah. we're relying on each other. So cool. That's great. But you don't have to turn Obi-Wan Kenobi bisexual in order to sell your young adult book. Right. It's weird to take someone so established like that and then just be like, should we just, like, toss something in that just sort of changes everything you thought you knew well it's gonna sell copies <laughs> sure um and like that kind of statement matters when it's a character that is already established mm-hmm. yeah right now that character can potentially um matter more to a larger group of people sure it changes nothing about <clears throat> why i admire the character i just question the outside the context of the storytelling motives yeah we're doing yeah yeah yeah. 
Now, in in the next episode, episode 10, Obi-Wan is also they're talking about the council and he mentions like the council isn't always right, which I thought was an interesting awareness from him. Um, because the last person that we saw that we saw do that was Dooku. Well, <laughs> um, I don't think there's ever been a group of people that have just been 100% correct about anything. Sure. And, it, <clears throat> and I know this is fic- fictitious, but it's a group of like 12 people. We only ever the see them agree on yeah the council. Oh sure. We only ever see them agree on stuff. Oh, That's we need to fair. find we need to find uh, General Grievous. Oh, Master Kenobi should go. Everyone nods their heads. Yes. Yeah. You know whatever. It's like how <laughs> but, you never see your parents fight. You always just see like, hey, can I go here? No. Okay. Like they convened behind clothes or they had art or whatever. Right. Like you didn't see that. Right. I wonder why I wonder why that is. Do do you think that the storytellers are, are like wanted the council to sort of be seen as infallible because they kind of wanted Jedi to be that way until recently, right? Until like the next I don't know 10 15 years as far as as far as my um a level of casualness of intaking the information is concerned, the council always seems sort of like Oh, they knew. They knew the whole time. Or and or Yoda especially, right? I feel like Yoda is just able to. He he's using salesman techniques where he just sort of like says things without really saying them, and then when something happens, just like yeah, it's like I said. Mm-hmm. Remember when I said that hat that thing? You know. Um. So it's an interesting question. The Jedi Council to me is the microcosm of like why people don't like to like Jedi. Sure. We love the lightsabers. We like the, you know, the lightsaber fighting. Using the force is cool. But the institution of the Jedi Order, ooh, that's a big problem. Yeah. And uh, it's a big problem because you have effectively these 12 people that um, if they're wrong, everything falls to shit. Yeah. And if they get tricked, everything falls to shit. And they were wrong and they did get tricked. And guess what? And guess what happened, right? <laughs> <clears throat> and so when Obi, oh, when Obi says that, that was the way that I interpreted it was sure. he did not agree with the council's decision to expel Sokotano from the Jedi Order. Yeah. Neither did she. And it's what caused her to lose faith in the institution, not the teachings, not the principles, not the lifestyle, the people who were running the show. And it's hard to argue with her because she's been propped up to be effectively the banner carrier of Star Wars for the last 10 or 15 years. Yeah. So it's hard to argue with them when they're like, clearly we think that this character should be the flag bearer and she's right. And you need to agree with her because she's right. She's the protagonist. But Obi has been on the council now for some time when he said that. And I yeah. imagine with all the decisions that they were making, he would have been like, eh, I disagree with one or two of those. Yeah. But there, <clears throat> um, what, one thing I think that we should examine at some point 
is this idea that Jedi are effectively like gods. Yeah. And the best example of this was a cartoon of the Clone Wars that came out 20 years ago this week. And it was the Clone Wars that preceded the Clone Wars television show. And it's really good. It's on Disney+. Plus. It's about two hours long. Mm. Uh, two one-hour shows, basically. Sure. And the stuff that they have Jedi do in that show is effectively godlike. Fighting hundreds of battle droids, effectively flying. Yeah. You know, just like all this stuff that you could never have been replicated in a live action takes place in this. And it's like, it sets them up basically as gods. And they're not. (laughs) Right. And it's so hard to keep to think to you know every time that we get a new story it's like oh this is the top one percent of the one percent doing things that maybe a dozen people in the entire galaxy and all of known life can accomplish yeah but that's our baseline is the viewer so anything less than that like han solo is like guess what you managed to survive for 40 50 years in this (laughs) in this galaxy that's not bad bud yeah but like <clears throat> Vader stops his blaster bolts on Cloud City with his hand and rips the gun out of his hand. There's no contest, you know. So and to Han Solo, Darth Vader might as well be a god, right? There's nothing. He's too powerful. There's nothing you can do. Like, oh, I only live because some other person allows it <clears throat> to a degree. Yeah, if you've ever seen the documentary Grizzly Man. <laughs> This motherfucker jumps up to Alaska and like swims with grizzly bears and documents it. And I'm like, the only reason you're alive is they just don't care enough to like go out of their way to hurt you. Yeah. Because they can. <laughs> and guess what? They did. They do. Right. So it's because, yeah, it's this is like, you're not worth my time. I mean, but also I'm not going to, I'm not going to like that as as a normie someone who's midichlorianally de- deficient they're in there um yeah they're there just not as concentrated as as i would have liked sure um which by the way i'm kind of surprised no one found out how to either synthesize or whatnot and give out jedi pills to people to allow them to uh have those uh jedi parasites inside them for any amount of time uh, well, we haven't gotten to that yet. Um, but as a normie, I would also hate the fact that there is a small percentage of people that were just born. It'd be sort of like if basketball, if a bunch of LeBron Jameses, since we use him a lot, a bunch of yeah. LeBron Jameses decided that because they were super able to, they were athletically superior, um, they get to just rule the world because of what they were born with, right? instead of how, what they acquired yeah that'd be a well, tough I mean, pill that, to swallow i mean that's you know we're talking about like pre-country kind of stuff there but like yeah you know when we're tribal or whatever and it's like oh, okay i'm i'm 5 10 180 <laughs> yeah. my chief is 6 4 240 i'm not yeah. challenging i'm not gonna win that fight no we challenge for uh for we fight for leadership and um i'm just not gonna do it right maybe once he's 99 yeah i'll give it a go 
Oh, you twisted an ankle? Uh, I want to be in charge of the camp. <laughs> yeah. Let's go. Formal challenge. So. It's it's interesting, though, that now, although we've recently learned uh, Darth Maul's motives were not pure, he was right. So he, yeah. him and him and Ahsoka, they they meet, right? As you mentioned earlier, he had this whole scheme to get Anakin and Obi-Wan to one place to kill them both. And they went somewhere else and Ahsoka went to where they were supposed to go in Darth's eyes. Yep. And uh, they end up fighting. She whoops his ass. Uh, but before then, he was like, look, enough. Uh, Sidious is the bad guy. Sidious yeah. is going to kill all of us, everybody, mm-hmm. if we don't stop him. So we should do that. And she's like, you got it. And then he's like, okay. Well, first we have to do this. And she was like, no, can't do that. Right. <laughs> but he was right to a degree, right? Like, he was the biggest fish insidious was the biggest fish and he was sort of like i need all the help i can get killing this guy let's go so him being right and her being wrong the council would have also been wrong right the council would have also been like no darth you bad palpatine is fine because he knew him as both right did darth know that palpatine and Sidious were the same person but no one else did, not yet. Okay. Yet, right? Tyrannus knew. Dooku knew. Ah, yes. Um. But you know, the the only people that know, like, <clears throat> um, Mace Windu found out, right? Yeah, <laughs> yeah, he did. You know, and he's like, <clears throat> um, ready to kill Sidious effectively in cold blood. And people are like, ooh, Mace. Boo, not the Jedi way. I'm like, did you see him fight him with the lightsaber? Did you see him get zapped by the force lightning? And now he can't kill him because the dude is laying on his butt? Yeah. Sorry, I'm going to just like continue to advance my blade into the dude's chest. <laughs> I mean, yeah. this isn't <clears throat> due process, all that stuff, great. Nine million nine hundred ninety nine thousand nine hundred out of however ten million. Yeah, this is the guy that like <clears throat> you just can't. Yeah, if if uh, if an eighty year old man tries to get bounced out of a out of a club by a six foot tall a LeBron James type bouncer, right? Yep, they all are too, and. The 80 year old dude just stops you in your tracks. You're going to have to go up a few levels on this guy, right? Like mm-hmm. it, it starts with like, let's escort him out. Okay. We have to, we have to knock him out to get him out of here, guys. I he's there. There ain't no, like you just match the level mm-hmm. of your opponent. Right. Yeah. And I mean, Jedi can, sense the power in other people or sense the the force in other people yes it but it is not like oh what a grip you have there when we shake hands right it's like one of i mean when this isn't doesn't get discussed enough i think you know the greatest trick the devil ever played right the greatest thing that sidious ever did was yeah convince people he didn't exist pretty much and like 
the big thing that lets him do all this stuff is that like somehow i don't know how he is actively suppressing the jedi's ability to look into the future and therefore they can't identify him and he's able to hide the sense that he is force sensitive around the most perceptive beings in the galaxy he hangs out with the jedi council and they're just like he's an all right dude yeah you know so which i mean in that instance then if you're mace yeah what's your fucking choice in that well in that instance right so you've been dealing with you've been dealing with uh senator palpatine for a very long time and then all of a sudden you realize he's force sensitive and the problem that you've been looking for for like the last two years you're immediately going to know how pow- that he's on his power is on a different level completely in that immediately right it is a it would be like a threat that you were simply ill prepared to deal with yeah so like imagine like it's world war ii we don't have jet planes germany comes out with a jet propul like a jet fighter it's like well that's the game (laughs) that's the game they could they could have one of those like we're all we're done when the gatling gun yeah there's like oh wait one dude is doing all of those bullets yeah so we're we're finished right yeah (laughs) i mean and like or in the samurai i'm the movie samurai oh the last samurai is a great film yeah yeah but like it's something like um the most appropriate thing i think that i can actually compare it to is if you are standing on a beach yeah and you see a tidal wave coming at you it's like yeah yeah this is probably a game changer <laughs> like i can run away but not fast enough i could i could dig a hole yeah in the ground not deep enough how can i get above this thing well i don't have a plane so i guess that's all my options right it's that level of threat like he and you do that immediately is, you're yeah. just like oh no nope see ya yeah i mean darth darth sidious i don't know you know to be honest i think it's a sequel trilogy that probably does it the best mm. this guy's a real problem because he's immortal yeah that's a real problem for us yeah this guy's a problem because the kind of a knowledge that he has accumulated over his lifespan is something that we have really no defense against. Knowledge is power, everybody. Yeah. Like the, the only way, like there's no rehabilitation, there's no redemption. There's no keeping him in a cell. Like the only way to deal some threats, the only way to deal with them is they have to be annihilated. Yeah. And it's, he is one of those Voldemort is one of those like that's the level of bad guy that he's on yeah so who do you think would win in a fight uh Lord Voldemort or uh Insidious well so Voldemort has to go and then Sidious (laughs) chokes him (laughs) now they technically don't have to say it they just do so um yes i don't remember exactly the difference between like casting in harry potter when you have to use the name of the spell Mm -hmm. as opposed to not being able like you don't have to do it verbally yeah but like 
if there's anybody that's going to Avada Kedavra without having to say it out loud, it's Voldemort. Yeah. Like that was plus, just his go-to he'll just thing stop since 13. The, he'll just stop the green stream, right? Sidious will just stop. Just like a blaster bolt going through the air, he would just stop it. I mean, I don't know what the difference between that assuming, and really Assuming, is. yeah, the, the green thing is somehow physical or traveling through the force, right? I've I've usually tried to stay away from these kinds of discussions as much as I possibly could. <laughs> Why? Because the they're worlds, silly and ridiculous and don't don't add up. The the two worlds, like it's the same thing as like comparing players of different eras and yeah. sports. It's just like it's two yeah. different worlds. You know, there's no way to do it. So, <clears throat> well, it's interesting. Darth Darth Maul, um, he was such a cool character when he was introduced. Yep. Uh, he's, he's, I think people would recognize him more than people that have had more screen time to some degree. Um, but I do like w- what they did with him. Like you were saying how now he's just diabolical and smart instead of just angry. Yeah. Like characters that are just, angry and like stupidly charging forward are not are not fun the second time that you see that yeah yeah but characters that are intelligent understand what's happening and can react to those circumstances are fun to watch and they've taken him from the former and turned him into the latter yeah and we'll see we'll see more of that in rebels so but I like it so far. I mean, I like her story arc, uh, Ahsoka. I like how she doesn't go back to the Jedi Order. Because in these two episodes, Obi-Wan is like, hey, you're welcome back. And she's like, nah, I'm good. Thanks, though. Yeah. And he's her just com- like, yeah, I get it. <laughs> her coming back means that she has to, if the council says jump, she has to say how high. Right. You know, if it was just like you, me, and Anakin can hang out on the the ship together or whatever and just go off and have adventures, that's probably a different story. Yeah. But it's, that's not it, the life. It's nice, though, that uh, it's interesting that she's disenfranchised with the Jedi Order, but still understands and respects the Jedi teachings enough to continue to follow them and teach them from her understanding of them even years later. Yeah. I mean, it's the, for her, the messenger is the problem, not the message. Yeah. Yeah. So, you know, and like, um, as Balin said, these, um, what did he call them? These, uh, Ganji Jedi or Boken, Boken. Yeah. Boken Jedi. Yeah. You know, like, um, that's what we have now. That's what we have post, order 66 up until technically i guess luke's order that gets destroyed yeah which we know nothing about so it's just jedi on their own ones and twos doing the best that they can which is good yeah do you hope that the jedi order comes back i do however i don't want it to be the same thing yeah, I don't think it can be, right? So that was Luke's problem in the sequel trilogy is that the 
the Jedi Order, the way that it was, allowed for the greatest disaster in galactic history. Yeah. A lot of guilt wrapped up in that. That's going to be a tough sell forever again, right? Like, they're going to go to the government and they're going to be like, hey, last time you guys were able to amass terrible, terrible things happened. Mm -hmm. You know? So I think the thing, I think the thing that to, to kind of hold on to here is the entirety of the Jedi Order and the entirety of the Galactic Republic are not the same thing. Sure. So them as a pairing was the problem in the old canon luke rebuilds the order they pick right up where the old jedi order left off guess what happens shit went down mm-hmm. and luke actually um there's actually kind of like a civil war amongst the jedi about who they're going to support there we go and like and that. um um luke basically says we're not doing this if this is what's going to happen to the jedi order we won't do it. Yeah. And he basically says, we are now completely separate from galactic politics. Good. And he, he moves the temple off of Coruscant um, onto one of their other planets like Asus or Acto, which has been introduced as the island where Luke was. Mm-hmm. And says, we're going to, we're going to, the problem with the old order was that they got too involved in galactic politics. We are servants of the force. So even if the scale of which that we are going to help is re- is diminished, we can't lose sight of this goal because look what happens when we lose sight of it. Now that was the old camp. And I'm yeah. hoping that Ray's order will pick up where that left off and we get an opportunity to see what that looks like. Yeah. But not Finn. Finn cannot come back. <laughs> that that bitch is, was too ungrateful about his role in Star Wars. Yeah. <clears throat> So if he wants to, we can go hang out with Gina Carano, wherever she is. <laughs> All right. Well, we did it. Thanks, everyone, if you made it this far. If you have things to say, you can do so at MediocreConversations at gmail.com. And may the force be with you. <laughs>